0: Hello, and welcome to Trending Peoria. I'm your host and proud Peoria Unified alumna, Sarah Meredith, and I'm so eager to take you on this journey as we learn more about the importance of public education and the amazing work our staff do every day to ensure every student is prepared to not only meet tomorrow, but to help shape it as well. What's currently trending in Peoria schools? All things kindergarten and early childhood education. This is the time of year when most parents start searching for the best campus for their child. Today, we have an in-depth conversation about the importance of early childhood education with experts from throughout Peoria Unified. We'll gain insights into our preschool and kindergarten classrooms from Dr. Debbie Pishke, our Director of Early Childhood Education, and from Ms. Jennifer Dabakowicz, a kindergarten teacher from Sunset Heights. Joining us now on Trending Peoria is Dr. Debbie Pishke, our Director of Early Childhood Education here in Peoria Unified. She's been with Peoria since 1995, and she heads up our award-winning preschool program here in Peoria. She is also a member of the Preschool Inclusion Task Force for the Arizona Department of Education and has served with First Things First on numerous task forces and been a part of a regional partnership with them since 2008. Well, welcome, Dr. Pishke, to the first ever episode of Trending Peoria. Um, we're just going to ask you a couple of questions about your experience in early childhood education um, and what makes Peoria Unified so unique with this preschool program. Um, so to start, why is preschool so important? And camp parents, I know a lot of them are probably thinking I can just leave them at daycare for one more year until they're ready for kindergarten, but what is the benefit to to preschool?
1: Well, it's really important to know that 90% of a child's brain development occurs before age five. So obviously it's not everything that you're ever going to learn that you learn before age five, but the connections for all of that future learning um, in your brain are made before you ever go to kindergarten. So what's important are the positive nurturing relationships from parents and caregivers that shape a child's learning for the rest of their life. Um, Quality early learning settings help children develop executive function skills like problem solving, motivation, self-control, attention span, all those life skills that are so important when you go into the workplace or um, in social uh, relationships. So what parents need to look for are settings that promote those skills rather than focusing on the academic skills if children have those well-developed um, executive function skills then the academics come easier and I think I think what happens sometimes is we get so focused on the on the uh, the reading and the writing and the math um, that we're asking children to do things that are beyond their um, ability level and that we're missing these important pieces so If a child knows how to problem solve or to get along with others, that's going to create an environment for their future education that is going to be more beneficial than learning, um, as parents like to say a lot of times, the ABCs and one, two, threes early. You can incorporate those skills into everyday activities, um, but don't focus on the academics, and so Whether it's a preschool program, whether it's a daycare setting, um, whether it's staying at home, it's the quality that's important rather than the location.
0: Yeah, that is, I mean, you brought up so many great points with that, especially with those kind of uh, executive skills and functions you were talking about. Can you kind of guide me through what the average day in a preschool classroom looks like and how you incorporate both the academics, but also those executive functions Sure. Um, in,
1: our, in our preschool program, children spend some time in whole group with the teacher, you know, story time and and talking about their day and things like that. But the majority of the day is spent in independent learning. So the, uh, it, the a teacher is very skilled. And so creating an environment um, so that children have opportunities to explore their environment and to try things they might not try at home Um I think that's what helps them build those skills and the problem solving skills. So if they're playing with blocks and um, they're trying to build a tower as tall as they possibly can, but the blocks keep falling down, um, they have to use those skills and working with other children is is hugely helpful. Um, They have to build those skills on, okay, why isn't that working? That round curved block isn't gonna support another block on top of it. What can I do instead? And kids can figure those things out. So when they're playing with blocks, they're doing geometry. We're not gonna call it geometry, but that's what they're doing. When we um, have kids line up um, in in a certain way, if it's boy, girl, or if it's, you know, short to tall, they're learning patterns. So we're incorporating all of the academic skills into what we do every single day. And it's not, we don't use paper and pencil tasks if there's any other way to do it. because that's not how kids learn best. Now, are those things available to them? Absolutely. Um, but we we want children to um, learn through those interactions with caring adults. And if I make a mistake, if I'm pouring my my milk and and I spill it, it's okay. What do we do? How do we fix this? Oh, we need to go get a paper towel and clean it up. Perfect. Um, and and to know that it, you know we can fix mistakes and. How do we make this work is is what we want children to learn. So um, I think that's how we kind of incorporate all of that into a daily routine.
0: Yeah, that's really great. And it's really interesting how you mentioned, you know, they're doing all of these high level things like geometry and learning their patterns and things like that. But you're really putting it in terms that they understand and it's really embedded in their everyday life. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about the kind of different programs? I know we have our Excel preschool program and then we also have COOP. Can you tell me some of the benefits and differences you see between those two programs? Sure. Um,
1: the Excel Preschool program is
0: probably the biggest program in the district. We have um,
1: 15 locations for next year. Our general education classes are inclusion preschool. So we have children, different ages, different abilities. Children are three to five. Um, and some of the children are typically developing. Some of them have some developmental delays and are, are have an IEP. Um, but they're all in the same classroom. We have um, developmental preschool, which is for children who have IEPs, but they need more support. Our goal ultimately is to get them out of developmental preschool and into a general education classroom. Um, In our developmental preschool, we also have peer models who are typically developing students um, because like we said, we know children learn best with other children. And and all of those programs, the children are out on the playground together, they interact together. it's just, it's one big preschool program. Um, An additional option that we have, and it's only available at Glendale Community College, we have a program for toddlers. Um, So that is children who are 18 months and walking, um, and there are only eight slots in there. So, but that is part of our um, program with our agreement with the college and we bring the college interns into there so that they have real life um, interaction with students. So we have a preschool program and a toddler program there. Um, The COOP program is at the high schools. And that program is a little bit different because it's to um, give the high school students an opportunity to experience some of those real life skills. So working with young children. Um, So typically the children in the COOP are four. Um and the high school students rotate in and out of the coop classroom and and work um with the children. We also have um our family resource centers, and we have those at Country Meadows and Skyview and Desert Palms. And those are for children for in from infancy um to five. And so they have parent classes. Um they've been doing a great job with um with technology lately because we had to. Um, And so they're offering online classes. Um, One of the latest things they're doing is a potty training class. So um, teaching parents how to potty train their children and how to determine whether a child's ready for that. Um, So they have some great information. They do a lot of um, Um, activities and they and they supply all of the supplies and so they have they have drive-by activities they had a drive-by um activity for Dr. Seuss's birthday where they distributed all kinds of books for kids so there's lots of different options depending on the age of the child and and what you need whether you need full day or part day or um it it, there's a lot of options
0: yeah well and I think you kind of alluded to a great point there as well I one of the hallmarks of Peoria Unified is that we have all of these different choice programs to meet the needs of all of our students, Dep- dependent on what what their needs are at that time. And so that developmental preschool, it's great to kind of help students get ahead and get ready as well as those peer mentor programs. And then I know um, GCC's partnership with us is one of our newest programs. Have you seen any um, kind of immediate benefits with that? I know the goal was to get some of their interns ready to come and work in our schools. Have you noticed any of that so far? Well, it was going great until COVID shut the world down. (laughs) Um, So GCC has not
1: had students back on campus yet. Um, However, um, we, our, our toddler program is full. Our preschool program is full. Um, and I think it will only continue to grow. Um, it, it just, we started out really good and then, um, Things kind of stopped. Yeah, but I, I think it's it's a great opportunity. We, um, I recently took a, a group of students from um, Kellis over there. They wanted to observe um, some of the you know childcare programs and see what that looks like. And we have a, a, a classroom there that has a, a viewing window into the preschool room, so we were able to offer that safely, so that they could see what was going on without um, bringing into a classroom. So we're trying to be mindful, um, with COVID and hopefully next year that will be a thing of the past.
0: Yeah. Well, and speaking of mindfulness and, um, COVID-19, do your classrooms look any different this year compared to what your school year looked like last year? Um, just with any precautions revolving around COVID? Um, a little
1: bit. I mean, I think probably the preschool classrooms are the, probably some of the cleanest classrooms on the, on the campuses because. We always, I mean, kids have always washed their hands when they walk into the room. We are always cleaning the tables with, you know, the sanitizing solution and everything from from snack and cleaning the toys. So we have always done those kinds of things. What looks a little bit different is our preschoolers are wearing masks and they are doing a tremendous job. I am so impressed. If If anything surprised me more than anything this year, it was how well our kids do because it's just what you do and they don't know any different they don't know about going to preschool without a mask so they're fine with it. Um, We do not ask our toddlers to wear masks obviously because they're they're too little. Um, We have had to remove some of the things that are um, more difficult to sanitize so things like the puppets the dramatic play clothes um, some of the the softer seating kinds of things so some of those things have been removed we've limited um, some of the, the things that are available to children where typically the entire classroom would be open, we've kind of um, separated into these are the things that AM can play with this week and these are the things that PM can play with this week so that we can um, just manage that sanitizing a
0: little bit better. All right. Well, that's great to know that most of our classrooms are still mostly the same, um, regardless of the pandemic or not, just because of those stellar practices you had in place. What does preschool look like next year for our potential new parents?
1: Um, we will have uh, registration starting on uh, April 5th. Um, it is um Online, which is it has that was a pivot we had to make um, last year, but it has been it has been great for families. Um, if you go to the the district website and go under families and then preschool, all of the links are there for the family resource center, for the coop, for um, preschool registration. Um, Please do not register before that. If you are registering before that, you'll be registering for this school year. Um, So we wanna make sure that families are um, registering for next school year. Um, And as soon as um, after our early registration, we will do our initial placements. Um, Priority goes to re-enrolling students, siblings and uh, district employees.
0: And do we have a preschool opportunity at all of our elementary schools or is it only at specific campuses? It's only at specific campuses. Um, there's not uh, the
1: space available on all campuses. So we do have it at, um, I believe 14
0: elementary schools and then Glendale Community College. And if say my neighborhood school is one of the schools that happens to not have a preschool uh, program, is it possible for my child to go to one of our other preschool programs within the district?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, you can you can choose any location you want um, for tuition students and Um, We, we are only accepting in district unless you're an employee Um, for right now we will look at out of district variances. um, Once we get closer to some um, fall, and we know where we have space available.
0: Perfect and I you mentioned tuition. What does that tuition look like for the average family.
1: Um, it kind of depends um, whether you're doing a half-day program, a full-day program. Um, toddlers are more expensive. However, we do have scholarships for families. Those are offered through Quality First. Um, a family does need to qualify for that, but it's, it's a fairly high qualifying level. Um, and so we would just need the documentation of income and family size. And if you do qualify for a scholarship, then the tuition is as low as um, $60 a month.
0: That's amazing. And um, you mentioned that there is an option for half day preschool or full day preschool. What are some of the benefits you see for our students who attend that full day versus the half day?
1: Um, I, I think it, obviously you have a lot more time with them. With a half day program, you have we have the students 12 hours a week. They go four days a week. They go Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday um, because Wednesday is the district's um, professional development day. And then um, with a full day program, they're going five days a week. They um, have before and after school wraparound um, that is available. So there's a six hour preschool program, but then there is um, the childcare available before and after school. And, And those are only at Frontier and Glendale Community College. So we don't have a lot of options for those and those do fill up quickly. So if people are interested in that, I would recommend that they get registered pretty quickly for that.
0: Perfect. Um, and then you also, you brought up childcare. care. Um, can you tell us a little bit about those programs? Do they kind of um, work well with your program as far as if a child needs transportation or things like that?
1: Um, well, the, the child care programs that we offer within the district is, is our district employees. It's the same thing. Um, we do have programs though, for children who want to attend a half day who attend a child care program, um, the other half of the day. And yes, we we work with all of those programs for transportation. Obviously, we don't just send children out to the bus. They are escorted from the child care center to the bus and then from the bus to the classroom. Um, and they're never um, by themselves. We are constantly monitoring them.
0: That's, that's great to know. And I'm sure it's reassuring um, for our parents, you know, how seriously you take the safety of our students when they are within our classrooms and when they're in kind of that transitional phase um, to daycare or wherever it may be, um, having that safety be a top priority. Before we let you go, I do want to ask you one question um, that might be on the top of most of our listeners' minds is as we are headed into summer or while we're still kind of at home for some of us with our kids, what are some simple activities that parents can do with their children to help them prepare for preschool and beyond?
1: One of the best things parents can do is to have a consistent routine. And I know that's probably been harder during the pandemic, but a consistent bedtime, a consistent routine for meals, for bath time, for whatever it is. Um, Having, kids can adapt if they know what to expect. It's when they don't know what to expect, it, it makes it very difficult for them. Um, They may not like it necessarily, but at least they know what what to expect. Um, Families should talk to their child, read to their child, sing to their child. Um, All of that adult language and interaction is building vocabulary for children. And that's so important when they come to to school, um, that they have that, that strong vocabulary. Um, let your children help with household chores. They love to cook with you. Give them a broom. They will sweep the patio for hours. Um, wash windows. Um, even if you give them a spray bottle with water and a rag, um, you may have to clean up after them later, but they love doing that. And and a spray bottle is great motor activity for holding a pencil. So all of those things are building skills that we need. Um Give children choices they can live with or that you can live with. Not are you ready to go to bed, but it's bedtime. Do you want your red pajamas or your blue pajamas? Um, If you say, are you ready to go to bed? And they say no. Well, now you're in a a bit of a pickle because um, you've given them that choice. They've made a choice. And now you're going to tell them, well, no, that's not an option. So give them a choice that that you can live with. And then I think one of the most important things, and again, this is a really hard thing, put the electronics away, take away the iPads and the phones and the computers or limit the time. I'm not um, anti-technology, but those build, when when a child is on an electronic device all the time, it's building a different part of the brain than conversation and playing with blocks and puzzles and things like that. It's a totally different thing. And so when they come to school, they've got a very shortened attention span because with electronics, if it doesn't work, you just start the game over or you stop. Um, and and it's a hard thing to transition away from. So giving them time limits on that. So you can play on your iPad and I'm going to set the timer for 30 minutes. And when the 30 minutes is up, then we're going to put it away. Um, so as best you can limiting um, those electronic devices.
0: Those, those are so many great options for our parents to do at their at home and are very easy to integrate um I know you mentioned having that routine is so vital for them can you explain how that routine and those expectations being set helps play into not just their first few years of school but throughout I mean their entire life and um their educational career as a whole well, anything you do in life,
1: there's expectations, um, whether it's, you know, lining up at school or, you know, first you do this, then we'll do this. That's another great option for parents. Have them do something um, that you they really don't want to do first, but have the reward at the end. So if if you, you know, let's pick up your toys and then we can sit down and read a book together or whatever it is. But um everything we do in life has a routine to it. And so not to regulate children, not to be, not to be non-flexible because gosh, if grandma came over and I get to stay up a little bit later today, that's okay. But having that consistent time, that bedtime and making sure your child's getting enough sleep, little children before kindergarten need between 10 and 11 hours of sleep a night. Um, And, and so if you're transitioning to a kindergarten or even a preschool program in the summer, and you know, your routine is that we stay up a little bit later, but then we sleep till nine or 10 o'clock in the morning. Well, that's not going to work when you go to school. So starting to transition that time in the summer, going to bed a little bit earlier and getting up a little bit earlier um, and making sure your child has a good breakfast or um, a meal or whatever, all of those things just help build that the, the child's brain.
0: Well, that is a great answer, and I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down with us today um, and kind of talk about the importance of early childhood education as well as all of the options here within Peoria Unified. Uh, thank you again, Dr. Pishke, for sitting with us. If you'd like to learn more about our preschool program, you can visit peoriayunified.org slash preschool. <music> Us now, we have Miss Jennifer Dimbakowicz from Sunset Heights Elementary School. She has more than 20 years of experience here in Peoria Unified, mostly as a kindergarten teacher, but she has also served on many curriculum writing teams for the school district and has served as a content coach, helping to write some of the curriculum that our students use in ELA or English. Uh, in addition to that, she is a proud graduate of Cactus High School and has four students who are currently enrolled here in Peoria Unified. Well, welcome Jennifer to this episode of Trending Peoria. We are so excited to have you here all the way from Sunset Heights Elementary School. Um, To get started, we'll start just like any school day kind of starts. What does the average school day look like in your classroom?
2: Well, thank you for having me. And yes, That is such a loaded question because in kindergarten, there are so many things that we do right off the bat. kindergarten is always something that there are so many activities going on. We start out our morning with the kids coming in either from the playground or straight from the bus or the cafeteria. And we start our morning with unpacking. That's so important to set those procedures, showing them where to put their things away so that they feel ownership in the classroom. And then Traditionally, a lot of us start with morning tubs, to where they have some hands-on activities to do so they can get some good communication happening with peers as they settle into the room while the teacher is taking attendance, checking on things that are going on with the students. Then we start to go into the morning calendar where we're really talking about the events that were gonna happen today have some student helpers. We have our foundations where we're learning our phonics and then also our phonemic awareness piece to help the students get into all their reading and writing. We do so many hands-on activities with math. Then normally about that time it's time for lunch and they are so hungry to get into the cafeteria. We go from lunch to recess and come back in, cool down with a good story. They love to just hear as many read alouds as possible. So we try to get those in. And then luckily in our setting, we're in a full day classroom. So we get to have PE, art, music, library, all rotating through and occasionally computer lab. Students love that. Then we get right into some more reading and writing and then soaking up a lot of good content with science and social studies, but also with a lot more extra playtime as well, because that is so critical at this age. They need to be able to go jump and run around on the playground before it's time for us to get into the rest of our pack up. And then we definitely come down together as a classroom to the carpet to process what the day looked like. And we talk about what we've learned and all of the things that we're going to continue to learn as the week goes on before we head out to our proper dismissal places. It's a very busy, active,
0: fun day. Well, and I... I mean, you alluded to so many great things that kind of go on in your classroom throughout the day. Um, I did want to go back to, uh, you mentioned you're in a full day kindergarten setting. What are some of those benefits that you see by having your students with you all day long instead of um, some parents might opt in for a part of the day for kindergarten?
2: Uh, The number one thing is time. We need so much time with these young learners to be able to really dig deep into concepts, to go ahead and give them the good balance between instruction and play to go ahead and let them um, explore with the teacher in small group settings. Whereas when we're in a half time setting, we don't always necessarily get to really work on a kid with their individual level. So having that extended time period gives us time to put students in centers where they're actively engaged in a task that they're trying to go ahead and apply what they've been learning. And then we're able to pull small groups at their current levels and reach challenges that they have or really challenge them harder for the ones that are getting all the concepts really well.
0: Well, and I mean, you bring up a great point, especially at that young age, a lot of kindergartners will come to you with varying levels of experience. Um, Some of them may have gone to a preschool prior to this and have a lot more of those skills in place. How do you address those needs? I know you do a lot of personalized learning in kindergarten, um, but how do you address some of those differences um, where students start out at the
2: beginning of the year? Definitely, we have to find everyone's level. So we always start out as kindergarten teachers with some really thorough um diagnostic testing, where we're checking to see what their levels are so we can figure out exactly what the needs are, how we can reach them, what we can challenge with them. And then once we figure the testing out, We wait till the students get to know us a little bit better so that they're not just, oh, here, first day, here's a test. But we definitely want to know exactly their abilities. And then we go ahead and see, are we able to put them in a different group with each other within the classroom to work? Do we need to work one-on-one on certain skills? And we like to spread that out throughout the day. Sometimes during, I mentioned earlier, we start the morning with morning tubs in our classroom. So if some of the students are ready to read a story right when they walk in the room at their level, then I'm available for that to happen so that I can reach them and they're going ahead and going through their... Work that they need to work on at that time. And um, other times, we set aside time in the day to where we have the centers that I mentioned and we pull the students at their levels. And the ones in the centers are also working on differentiated work that is appropriate for their levels. Since they're all coming from different backgrounds and things, we'll have different tasks that a student that maybe is working on letter names, they're working on something with that. But if we have a student that's working on writing full sentences, then they have an activity to challenge them with that.
0: That's That sounds amazing. And it's It is so great that you are able to kind of break that down, um, especially at the beginning of the school year where they might be a little more spread out as to what kind of um, background information they're coming to you with. What as a kindergarten teacher are some of your goals for your students by the time they're exiting kindergarten
2: and ready to go on to first grade? We definitely look at our state standards and see what the expectations are from that. In our district, we grade with our standard-based assessments and standard-based report cards. So we really want to make sure that they're mastering what is expected, like such as going ahead and being able to add and subtract numbers up to five. We can expand up to 10 or as high as we need to a differentiation. We want to make sure that they're able to know all letter names and sounds and that they're starting to blend those into reading and writing words a lot of our students are leaving kindergarten with a great background knowledge in reading they're able to decode text they're able to read some short passages they're able to go ahead and read different um, stories all based on their levels and abilities and we challenge them all in the different ways of that our goal is for them to hopefully write a complete sentence or more with beginning middles and ends and capitals at the beginning and punctuation, we, so many things that we're trying to get them to get through that it's like, especially right now at the end of the school year, it's so hard to think of where we were at the beginning to think of where we are now, because they are such readers and writers that it's, it's pretty amazing to see that they're ready for first grade with those things. You kind of have
0: a background with a lot of um, ELA, which is English English language arts, what are some of your favorite activities that you get to do with your kindergarten students? Um, and if you could pick just one, I know that might be really <laughs> difficult. What would be your favorite activity that you do with your kindergartners?
2: Oh, wow. I really love anything that we do with blending and segmenting the words. We get to use so many different tools and our bodies to actually, which just sounds weird, I know, but we're able to take a word, say a simple word like dog, and we're able to stretch it out and we might stretch it out with our hands pretending like we have a wad of bubble gum and og and then pop it back together or we might pretend that we're bouncing a basketball and we tap and bounce dog swoosh. and they just all of the different ways that we can move and do things or if we're using a magic finger and finding it and blending it they just have so much fun and they don't even realize that they are reading the words and ready to read and write because it's just like I said so much fun. Right and especially at
0: that age they're doing a lot you're making learning fun and they need a lot of that play during the day as well. Um, Can you kind of talk a little bit about how important that role of play is and how that is in action in
2: your classroom throughout the day? Play is so critical, especially because we also have speaking and listening standards that the state requires us to get through, where we're helping children be able to foster a full conversation with their peers and be able to retell stories and events. And play is the best way for that to happen, because they can have open and honest conversations with each other about a certain topic that we might be learning about, and that really is just super helpful. We definitely have structured play time where there are different concentration games that they're working on, different manipulatives that they're using. With math, especially when they're playing cards and they don't even know that they're learning, they might have a deck of cards and they're taking out the two and they're looking for the matching six so that they can add two plus six. And they're yelling out eight without even knowing that they're solving an addition problem. That is just so exciting to see them do that. So we have different times during math time, ELA time, but then we also build the critical recess play time so that they can go ahead and get energy out that's unstructured where they can choose the games they want to play. We can, they can go in the sandbox for the fine motor and they can build and touch and get their hands on things. And while they're doing that, they're talking, they're talking about the village they're building in the sand with their partners. And so it's great to see from the classroom and the playground that the communication is happening through play. That
0: is amazing. And I know you've talked about um, a few activities that you do within your classroom every day. But are there any activities that our parents can do starting today with their student to either help them prepare for kindergarten or prepare for whatever that first school experience looks like? Um,
2: Do you have any suggestions for that at all? Reading stories to students? Every night is super important. That helps them work on their patience, their listening skills, that's soaking up in good conversations with their parents. So the more reading we can do with them, the best is so important for them. Um, I... Really think it's important for a child to know their name so well to where they can look at their letters, know how to identify them. They have ownership and pride when they walk in on the first day of kindergarten and they say their name tag in their cubby or on a toolbox and they know that that is their name and that's their special spot that makes them super happy. So it's important for them to identify that. I think it's important for parents to also go ahead and just have great conversations with their kids as they're driving, see if they can notice um, the stores that they're driving by. If They see Target that they can go ahead and maybe identify the first letter in the word Target or McDonald's and see if they can recognize the different print that they see around the buildings that they go through. One of my favorite things that I did with my children as they were getting ready for kindergarten was baking, just spending lots of times talking about what ingredients we're going to be using, but then actually measuring it and counting out, okay, we need three scoops of this and just getting those experiences where they're not even realizing that they're talking about numbers, but they're actually doing something. And then something that really helps kindergarten teachers out a lot is helping children with the basic things like zipping up a jacket, um, going ahead and putting their backpack on their back, going ahead and opening up different things from their lunch boxes. Juice boxes are definitely always a trick sometimes if they've never had to open them on their own and then all of a sudden they're in their lunch box. So taking them out of the straws, out of the wrap, getting them in the right hole, all that would be so helpful for kindergarten teachers if the students are ready to do that when school starts.
0: Yeah, those are a bunch of just great everyday activities and tasks that our parents are probably already doing with their student, and they just might not be aware of how much they connect to that everyday activity when they're in school. So those, that is great. And uh, thank you so much, Jen, for Um, sitting with us. I do have one last question for you. Um, For potential parents, are there any kind of events that schools offer to help them get acquainted with school? I know this year it's a little different because we're in a pandemic, Um, but if it was a first-time parent listening, what would you suggest they do when kind of
2: looking for schools for next year? Uh, Do you have any advice on that? Mm -hmm. Definitely a little bit of both. Right now, parents can go onto our district website and they can scroll down to the different schools. And within the schools, every school has a website that has information about their specific school has tabs with information about their kindergarten program has ways to enroll the child certain things that they're doing right now a lot of our schools have gone ahead and created videos that give a little tour or show some of the things that we're going to be doing in kindergarten and it goes ahead and lets them introduce and see the teacher and then also on our our different websites all of our schools have different Facebook groups that is such a great way to go ahead and see what's really happening at the school because teachers can go ahead and share pictures of events that are going on. It has facts about when different things are happening, whether the school is having a drive-through meet the teacher event or whether they're having a pickup location where you can get more packets of information about how to enroll and get ready for kindergarten. So I would definitely check out the website and your school's Facebook groups
0: perfect. And for any of our parents that do want to learn more, they can go ahead and head over to peoriaunified.org slash kindergarten for all of that information that you just mentioned there, Jen. Well, thank you so much for sitting down with us and kind of spending the afternoon talking about what is so important about kindergarten and all of the ways our students are learning and growing through play and through structured activities. Again, thank you so much, Jen, for sitting down with us. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today for the first ever episode of Trending Peoria. If you want to learn more, you can head to peoriaunified.org/trendingpeoria where you can find links to everything we discussed here today. In addition, there is a form if you have any comments, questions, or ideas for future topics we can cover here on Trending Peoria, and we look forward to being back here in 2 weeks with another topic and more great information about what is happening in Peoria Unified.